Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we worship together on, I lost track what Sunday we're on of Lent because we had so few, <laughs> third, something like that. Just a couple of announcements to draw your attention to. And next Sunday is Spring Forward Sunday. So church will be kind of an hour earlier. So just be prepared for that. I think that's how it works. Yes. Yeah, yeah Spring Forward. So you have to get up earlier to come to church. Yeah. Uh, two weeks time is our annual meeting after the service. And you can pick up uh, copies of the annual report at the back of the church or you can download them from our website whatever is convenient for you and trustees will have a short meeting after church today scripture leader scripture readers lists are posted and with all the cancellations we've had over the last month maybe just double check to see where you're at on the list because we, we lose with the change in Sundays we lose uh, our sense of time maybe a little bit as to when we're coming up on the reading list. There are COVID test kits at the back of the church and we have lots of them. They're just on the shelf there. If you need some COVID test kits or know someone that could use some in the house, just pick, uh, feel free to pick some up. Any other announcements to share today? Yes. Yeah, we could scan them and email them. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. Anything else to share today? Let's just take a moment then to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God.
Throughout the season of Lent, we walk with Jesus to the cross of his execution, but the cross of our salvation. And we welcome him into this space as we walk with him as a light in our lives. Let's join together in our opening prayer. Holy God, we gather in this church to offer our praise to you. For all you have done for us, we give thanks. We seek your holy presence among us as we gather for this service of worship. And may we take you with us when we go. Amen. Our opening hymn today is, O God, how we have wandered. Please be seated. As we explore the meaning of the cross, as we explore the meaning of Lent in our lives, as we walk with Jesus to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we reflect on the power he has in our lives, but also we reflect on what it is that keeps us from welcoming more of God into us. And so we give those things to God now. Let's join together in a prayer of confession. Lord, as Jesus spent 40 days praying and seeking your guidance, I too seek your guidance today. Help me to cleanse my heart of sin so I may more freely receive your spirit. Today I lay my sin before you and seek your forgiveness.
God has heard our confession. He has forgiven us and he loves us. So go, be cleansed of your sin and live with him forevermore. Thanks be to God. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him abides just here below. Praise him above ye heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's join together in a responsive psalm, Psalm 19. heavens declare the glory of God, and the vault of the sky reveals God's handiwork. And this without speech or language, their voices not heard. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from under the canopy, like an athlete eager to run the race. Perfect, refreshing the soul. God's God's precepts are right, rejoicing in the heart. God's fear is clean, enduring forever. More desirable than gold, even much fine gold. Glory and praise to God, whose word brings life. By them your servant is warned. But who can discern unwitting sins? Keep your servant also from presumptuous sins. Praise to God, whose word brings life. Let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Our next hymn is The Church is Wherever God's People.
please be seated and invite the children to come forward and hear the stories of Jesus together. Thank you, Emma. You guys want to come up to your table? about his suffering and death. Then Jesus began to teach his disciples, the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He will be put to death, but three days later he will rise to life. He made this very clear to them. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples, and rebuked Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. Your thoughts don't come from God, but from man. Then Jesus called the crowd and his disciples to him. If anyone wants to come with me, he told them, he must forget himself, carry his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, gospel will save it. Does a person gain anything if he wins the whole world but loses his life? Of course not. There's nothing he can give to regain his life. If a person is ashamed of me and of my teaching in this godless and wicked day, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen.
Oh, I see your two feet sticking in. <laughs> Let us pray. Lord, we thank you as we come once again to commit ourselves anew to following your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, Lord, as we reflect on the word for us this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. When I entered the workforce at the age of 24, I thought I had it made. I was making pretty good money in the technology sector. I worked for a company that just seemed to give us stuff. Bonuses, stock options, access to gyms built right at the office, sports leagues, benefits, top-notch cafeterias. At the time, we had it made. But then it all fell apart. The company began to implode. Bad business deals, financial cover-ups. A company once near 100,000 employees globally began the painful process of layoffs and selling off business units. It seemed like every few weeks or months, a few more thousand people would be sold off or laid off. But even for those who were being laid off, the severance packages were quite generous. Those of us who remained inside the company felt increasing pressure just to try to keep the company afloat. I found it harder and harder to find motivation to get out of bed in the mornings. I used to work 10 to 12 hours a day. I loved it. I'd get up early. I'd be in the office long before anyone else. I would stay late. But as the company began to shrink and die, I would wander in by 8 o'clock, maybe, probably later. I'd put in my day's work, count down the hours, the minutes till 4 o'clock, and then wander home. You know the old saying, phone it in? You know, you do the bare minimum? That's what I, ended up, that's what I was doing at those times. I realized in those months of layoffs and sell-offs, I wasn't a valued employee, at least not anymore. I was reduced to a number. I was an asset to be used to try and save the company from failure. There are no more bonuses. The gyms were closed to save money. The sports leagues all dropped because there's no one left to participate in them or run them. It was during this time where I began to get more involved in the church. I became more than just a casual Sunday attendee. I got involved using my skills in technology. I was doing their website. I was working in the sound booth. I was even spending time in pulling cables through the attic to set up a network for the computer office, in the offices. Computers in the office, that's what I'm trying to say. I started going to Bible studies. In fact, but I used to skip work once in a while so I could go to the morning Bible study. For a time, I was in love with the corporation. It took care of me. It helped me grow by giving me training and responsibilities. They were training me to become part of management. They saw me as a future leader in the company. But when push came to shove, it all fell apart. All 
that have given to the company over this four or five years where it was un unreciprocated. They no longer needed me. Managers were being laid off just as much as the rest of us, so there's no need for me to grow. I just became another number on the payroll. One day I caught wind of a rumor that more layoffs were coming. We usually didn't get any notice, no warning at all. You would just show up to work one day, get called into a boardroom or someone's office and told you were no longer needed. So this rumor that came out said my department was going to lose employees, which didn't happen very often. We were kind of a high performance team. People would get laid off in other groups and merge with ours. But this time we were going to get hit with layoffs. So the rumor was. So I went to my manager and said to him, if the rumor is true, if we are going to lose employees, if layoffs are coming our way, I volunteer. At that time, I knew I was going to go back to school to seek to become a United Church minister. I even explained my plan to him, and he understood. He himself was a church-going man. So in order to save someone else's job, at least for this round of layoffs, they might as well let me go because I'm going to leave anyway. And he agreed. So when the day came, I got called into his office and was handed an envelope and said, thank you very much. You're no longer needed. I was in the round of layoffs to actually get a severance package. That was before the company completely fell apart, not long after. And in a way, God had a hand in the timing because the severance package I received was just enough money for, for, for us, our growing family, to live through the five years it took me to get my master's. In those last years of working for the company, I learned one thing. I learned to trust God. I had to trust that God was going to take care of me, not anyone else, and certainly not some corporation. That's a huge step for someone to take. And I'm also glad it's a step I took. For a lot of people, they feel it's a big risk. And it can be. And we even see that the disciples struggled with this at times. Through Lent, as we spend this next month through the last few weeks of Lent, we're going to be looking and still looking at the teachings of Jesus as he walks to the cross of his execution. Jesus full well knows this is coming. He even tells the crowd it's coming as we read in Mark chapter 8. We heard Jesus say, uh, we heard Mark say, Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Now the disciples, they love their teacher, their friend. They do not want to lose him. He has taught them so much, they have seen so much by following him. So in response to Jesus saying that he's going to die and undergo suffering, Peter pulls him aside and says, no, no, we will not let this happen to you. It will not happen. And Jesus replies, he rebukes him, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the desert, we looked at that a few weeks ago, that the devil tempted Jesus with worldly riches, 
All he had to do was turn from God. And Peter is pretty much offering, in a sense, step away from God's plan. Peter's offering, and all will be well. And Jesus rebukes that temptation. Peter and the disciples, they have placed their trust in Jesus, which is a good thing. But they do not know the entire plan. They refuse to accept that their human friend Jesus will die a needless death. They do not fully realize Jesus is more than just a man. Jesus is fully man, but he is also fully God. For the plan of salvation to reach its goal, the human Jesus must die so people can fully see his divinity, that he is indeed the Son of God. This is the invitation of Lent, to consider the divinity of Jesus, of how he embodies God, how he is God, how he was more than just a man. Jesus is God among us. Yes, he taught great things. Yes, he did amazing things. But more than that, Jesus is God's love incarnate in human form among us. Through his teachings and his actions, he showed the world what it means to be one with God. And he showed that we all can be one with God simply by following him. The transition I made from being devoted to the company to being devoted to God was not an easy one. It's not something we are taught in, in society. It took a huge step of faith for people to put their trust in God. And even since, then, since I made that step, it's still a struggle at times. I work with earthly things, regular problems, regular concerns that we all have. This September, we'll have two kids in two universities in two cities in two provinces. How are we going to manage that? How are we going to pay for it? I turn 50 next month. I've got to start thinking about retirement. Where are we going to live? How am I going to afford to retire? So much to worry about in life, isn't there? The other day I was visiting someone and we were talking about, he, well, he reminded me of a, of a verse from the Sermon on the Mount. And in the New International Version, Matthew 6.34 says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. My friend is reading the Eugene Patterson's message translation. And in the message, it reads like this. Give your attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Again, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I love what Eugene Peterson has done here. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Jesus acknowledges hard things happen in life. It's not a smooth path, even when we follow him. What he tells us is, and what Eugene Peterson tells us, is that when hard things come up, God will walk with us. He will help us deal with them. So don't worry, he says. 
Just see what's happening right now. See where God is in this moment. Turning back to Mark chapter 8, when Jesus rebukes Peter, Jesus turns back to the crowd and continues teaching. And Jesus has some rather strong words for us to consider. He says, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Jesus is asking people, where is your devotion? Had I been to the company, I would have lost my job. And I would not have received a severance package. And better, I would have had to reconsider how we were going to pay for the house we bought. How we were going to pay for the mortgage if it took me a while to find a new job. Again, it wasn't easy, but, God, but we trusted that God was leading us down a path he wanted us to take. I'm not saying we're perfect, because we're not. We didn't follow this plan perfectly. We messed up now and again, sometimes bigger than others. We had our struggles. There are times when we lost track of what God was doing in the moment. And I still do it today, probably more often than I wish to admit. Because it's an easy thing to do, to lose track, to lose focus. The challenge is, how do we reset ourselves? How do we reset and put our focus back on God? I guess what I'm getting to today is that being a Christian is a radical act. It is an act of rebellion against the world. What Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 is radical. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. You say those words today and people will laugh at you. Deny yourself, you'd be considered a fool. Who would do that? The world is full of enticing things meant for our comfort and our pleasure. Things like drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography. It's we can find our own pleasure. But what are these things really doing? They're actually ruining lives while making millions of dollars for faceless corporations and, their, and, their, and the people behind them. Each of these sinful acts asks something of you. Just pay a few dollars for that temporary pleasure or relief. And they are temporary. They don't last. And then you need to pay again and again and again. What Jesus asks of us costs us nothing, or at least nothing we can live without. He says, deny yourself. He wants us to trust him. He wants you to turn away from the illusion that we have power and control for ourselves because we can't and we don't have those things. He asks us to take up our cross. He wants us to accept the fact we are imperfect. We have problems. We need help. Because it's true. We are imperfect. We do have problems, and we most certainly do need God's help. And Jesus says, follow me. Follow me because he has the answers. He has the answers we need to hear that will help bring healing and wholeness to our lives. He takes our imperfections and makes them stronger, makes them better, 
Not perfect, but better. He helps us with our problems and our struggles. And he walks with us through it all. It's all very radical. It's not what has become the natural order of things today. He says, from the sinful pleasures of this world, those things we are bombarded with, with the internet and television, things that lead to harm and not good. And turn from those things and turn to God, the one God has sent, the one who turns those harms into good, who turns our pain into healing, who lifts up instead of pushing us down. These are radical words of Jesus. And they're as radical today as when he said them 2,000 years ago, probably even more so back then. Because when Jesus spoke these words, the people in positions of power in the church and the government, they hated him for it. They plotted to kill him. And in the end, they succeeded. But that's not the end. As Jesus predicted, three days after his death, he rose again. He overcame the sins of the world. He overcame the cross. He overcame our cross to show he is truly the Son of God who has come to save the world. What does the radical love of God, shown fully in Jesus, who gave up his life for you, what does his radical love mean to you? Radical love, radical faith, living as children of God, trusting in him to lead the way as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, his son, our savior, because he is the one who saves. There is no one or nothing else that can do it on this world like him. So may we recognize the power of living a radical faith as followers of the son of God, who leads us to his cross, his execution, his sacrifice, so we may live. May this holy season of Lent lead us to a greater understanding of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Let us sing together. Jesus calls us.
as we continue to walk with Jesus, serving him and serving the community in which we live, we do so with generous hearts. Our offering will now be received. Let us pray. God, as we give ourselves and our gifts to you, bless the work we do in your holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Let us join together in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, we gather today ever thankful that we come together. We thank you for the busyness of children. We thank you for the silence of worship. We thank you for the time of prayer. Lord, we thank you for all these things that we seek to do in your name. Lord, we thank you for places like Souls Harbor who are feeding people now, feeding people in need of... of company and for food. Lord, we thank you that they are willing to be a witness of your light in this community. So we ask you to bless Alana and Scott as they work there, bringing hope and food to those in need. Lord, we continue to pray for the Ukraine and for Gaza. Lord, we pray that there be an end of war and in all other places that aren't making the news, but we know there are other places of conflict in, on this planet. So Lord, we pray for peace in all corners of this world. May your healing touch be upon them all. And Lord, we pray for our community. We pray for the needs of our neighbors, our family, our island, our province, and our nation. Lord, we see the division in politics right now. Lord, we pray that 
this division, not divide the nation, but help us to come together. Lord, we share this planet with so many people. We share this land. We share this country. And Lord, may our politicians work for everyone, especially our most vulnerable of society. And Lord, we offer to you now the prayers of our heart this day. Lord, we lift all these prayers to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. A closing hymn this morning is Be Thou My Vision.
But friends, as we take leave of this place, may the vision of God among us go with us as we go. May we carry Christ, the one who says, follow me as we go out into this world, to see where he is in this moment and every moment of our days. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.